want to continue what we were looking at last week and just say that, you know, God oppose. I mean, Satan opposes a lot of things, but one thing he opposes is God's word. Uh, if God's word is being taught, preached out in society, out in our general population within our country, Satan's against that. And we probably see this come up from time to time where we live, where we work, where we go to school, uh, interacting with people in our society that, you know, you start talking Jesus and then somebody's going to try to shut you down, whether it's an organization, whether it's a church or a preacher or, or just you in general, somewhere where you are. Satan wants to stop it. He doesn't want it to penetrate the ears of lost people. And so whatever he can do, he's going to be against it. And so we want to take a look at that tonight and see how that applies to our life and see if we see this happening around us and what can we do to make sure we're going to stand for God's word, with God's word, even if Satan is opposing it. So we start tonight in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Jesus teaching here and he says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Large crowds gathered around him and he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So he takes the boat, kind of pushes it offshore so he's away from the crowd can look back toward the crowd on the shore and just have an audience that he can see and they can see him, and that's the setting in which we are. So large crowds there. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Jesus taught in parables many, many times. As you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see these parables come out, and he's just using illustrations of the day, what they could be familiar with, what they could uh, identify with, everyday things, and use that in teaching a spiritual lesson out of it. So he used this one here, a farmer went out to sow a seed. And so nearly everybody in that day and time were farmers, or at least had a garden or something. And they knew about planting seeds. They knew about sowing seeds. So he's going to make a point here. As this farmer was scattering the seed, you know, broadcasting it, if you will, some fell along the path and birds came and ate it up. So sometimes when we're scattering the seed, planting whatever it is you're planting, some of it may fall on a hard surface, hard ground, uh, the path in this illustration here where it's not been plowed up it's not been tilled up it's not been worked up for the seed to penetrate in the soil and so it fell on this hard area of the soil and as it happened the birds came and ate it up uh, every day I throw seeds out around a tree behind our house on hard ground so that the birds will come and eat it up and you know I plan for it here this farmer doesn't plan for it but I always plan for it every day when the birds come and you talk about uh, goldfinches, they're there by the hundreds right now, just cover the ground. And so this farmer scattering the seed, fell on the hard path, the, the hard ground, birds came and ate it up. Well, they began to ask him, and he went through the rest of the parable. We're not going to go through the whole parable. It's not pertinent to what we're looking at tonight. And so later on, down in verse 18, asking, what does the parable mean? What, what are you talking about, all this path and sowing and all this sort of thing, birds eating it up? What are you talking about, Jesus? Explain it to us. So he says in verse 18, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Here's the point of it, he said. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, Satan, the devil, comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And so what he's trying to say, when we don't understand God's word, when we don't understand what he's trying to say to us, what are you talking about, Jesus? What are you saying to me here, Jesus? And anytime we read God's word, we need to read it like this. God, what are you saying to me? Not just what are you saying, but what are you saying to me? I'm reading it. 
I want to understand it. So God, what are you saying to me? And we could just ask him that question before we begin to read something in the Bible. And God, what are you going to say to me as I read this chapter, this verse, this uh, book of the Bible? What are you going to say to me? And we make it personal. And so that's what he's saying. If we don't understand it, whatever it is we're hearing from God or about God, whether it's through reading it, through the preaching of it, the teaching of it, whatever it may be, if we don't understand it, Satan's going to come and snatch it away, whatever was sown, whatever we've heard. Now, let's make sure we understand this word, understand. If we, the kingdom of God, if we do not understand it, what does it mean by that? The word understand means to consider it. So if we're looking at God's word, we're reading somewhere in the Bible, we're going to consider it. What are you saying here, God? I, I'm just not sure I understand, so I want to consider what you're saying to me. Or it also means to settle it. I got it. That settles it. I understand what you're saying. Or bring it together in my mind. All right, let me look at these words. Let me look, listen to what I'm saying, hearing. Or let me understand what I'm reading. Let me get it into my mind. I got it now. I put my mind together with your word, and it makes sense to me. I, I, it's like a light coming on. And so sometimes that's the way it is with God's word. We may have read a scripture 25 times. And then one night we're reading it for the 26th time. It's like a light comes on. I've read that many times. Why hadn't I seen that? And it just makes so much sense to us. It just kind of penetrates our heart and our mind or so. And we get some kind of message we've never gotten before, even though we read it 25 times. But finally, we understood it. We brought it together into our mind and we grasped the meaning of what God's trying to say to us. But it also means from understanding, and he's saying here, if we do not understand it, you see. It also means to be hostile or combatant in our mind, meaning I don't want to understand it. In fact, I don't even want to hear it. And if I do hear it, if I do read it, I don't want, to I don't want it to penetrate my heart, my mind, my soul, because I don't want to do what he wants me to do. I don't care about it. I'm not concerned about it. And you say, would somebody really do that? Mm -hmm. Follow me into some of these homes we visit sometimes around here. And you'll see that people say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to understand it. It's okay if my child comes to your church, but don't, try, don't, don't bring this to me. I'm not concerned about it. And you say, well, is that really going in our society? Look at our society and you see, you see it's all the time, don't you? I mean, just look at our elected officials sometimes. Uh, I read a statistic last two weeks ago on, on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday where they passed a bill in the House of Representatives to, uh, uh, if, if a baby is born while trying to be aborted, if it's born live, that doctors, nurses, staff are to see to that baby uh, living, you know, make sure they do what they need to do to make sure that baby lives. And it passed uh, 215, or 220, whatever it was now, 220 said, yes, we think that's what a doctor ought to do. Baby's born alive after trying to be aborted. We need to have that doctor do everything they can, the nurses and everybody, see that baby lives. 210 of our elected officials in America said, no, if that baby's born alive and that woman wanted to have abortion, let the baby die. It's been born, folks. <laughs> Gentlemen, ladies in, in that Congress, it's been born. It's alive. It's crying there in the hands of some nurse that just brought it into the world, some doctor, and you're saying, put it over here and just let it die? Let me just lay it down, just let it die. Yeah, that's what they were saying. And so when you try to penetrate God's Word, 
to that and to explain to that about life and God and Jesus and church and all, I don't want to hear it. I don't want it penetrating my heart. I don't want to understand. In fact, I want to be hostile toward it. I want to be combated in my mind about it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to understand it. I don't want want to even hear you speak about it. So just get out of my face with it. So when we do not understand, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, does not consider it, does not settle it in their minds, does not bring it together with their mind and understand, grasp the meaning of it, in fact, they're hostile and combated to it, what happens? Satan comes along and says, okay, whatever you heard, whatever you read, I'm just going to snatch that little seed away from you and you're not going to think about it anymore. And so that's what happens when we don't understand it, grasp that meaning, or hostile, even combat it to it. Satan says, okay, good. You don't want to understand it. I'm just going to snatch that little seed away from you. It's gone. You won't even think about it anymore now. And so I understand this passage very well for myself as I led you into it this morning. Uh, Dr. Bob Farrington would sit me down in his living room and tell me about Jesus, how to be saved, read me the Scriptures, Showed it to me in the Word. And I didn't want to understand it. I didn't consider it. I didn't let it settle in my heart. I didn't bring it together in my mind and grasp the meaning of it, what he's trying to say. In fact, I'd be hostile and combative to it because I just didn't want to listen. I didn't want to hear it. What time is it? I need to get out of here. I need to get going. You need to stop. You need to quit. Even though I was nice and didn't say any of that to him, I'm just my mind is just shut down. Have you ever talked to somebody and feel like they're not listening to you? Really? <laughs> okay. I thought I was the only one that ever happened to us. <laughs> so, uh, but sometimes you can be talking to somebody and you realize they're not even listening to me. They're hearing my words, but they're not listening. And it's a difference, isn't it? It's a difference in hearing and listening. Uh, and so that's what God is saying here, that we're not listening to him. We don't want to understand. Therefore, whatever we have heard, whatever has come into our life, Satan says, I'm taking it away. I'm just taking away that seed that was sown. So when we don't consider his word, we bring, don't bring it together in our mind or hostile to God's word, Satan just snatches away from our heart. So what does it mean by snatch away? Seize it, grab hold of it, carry it off by force with the person, purpose of removing it and controlling it for himself. I'm not going to let them hear that again. I'm going to do all I can to make sure they don't hear that word again. I'm going to pull it so far away and make sure that whoever said that, I'm going to do all things in my power, Satan says, to not let that word get back to them. Because if they hear it over and over, there may come a day, it penetrates their heart, their mind, their very soul, and they get saved. And I don't want that, Satan says. And so he's going to snatch it away, seize it, carry it off by force, remove it, and control it against us if we don't understand it. And so that's what that parable is all about. So therefore we see very well that, God, uh, that Satan opposes God's word. He's against it. He's not for it. He doesn't want us to hear it. He certainly doesn't want us to understand it. And anything he can do to make sure we don't grasp the meaning of God's word, let it penetrate our mind, our heart, and our soul, he's all for it. And so whatever's going on in our society of the day, Satan is a doing all he can to make sure people, first of all, aren't getting saved, but also make sure they don't hear the word. And whatever he can do to stop it, he's up and against that. And so we move then to Acts chapter 13. Get another story here. Acts chapter 13. In the church of Antioch, and Antioch, Antioch is going to send out some men as missionaries, and they choose two men here. They choose Barnabas and Saul. Saul that would become known as Paul. 
They take the two of them and they set them aside and they prayed over them, sent them out, laid their hands on them, sent them on their way. So in Acts chapter 13, verse 4, the two of them, Saul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit out from the church at Antioch, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus and the Isle of Cyprus, there in the Mediterranean Sea. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They're going to the Jewish synagogue where Jewish people meet and worship God every single Saturday. And they're going to go tell them about Jesus. John was with them as their helper. We know John later on, we read a little more about John and Acts, that he, uh, he got up and he said, I can't take this anymore, guys. I'm going back home. And Paul's, after that, they wanted to take John back with them. And Paul said, not uh-uh, over my dead body. <laughs> we were out there worshiping and, and missionizing and all these things in the unknown world. And John said, I can't take it. I'm going home. I don't want him back with me. I can't depend on him. And him and Barnabas split over it. And the rest of the story we know. But uh, nevertheless, they were there proclaiming in the synagogues Jesus. So they traveled through the whole island there in Cyprus until they came to a place called Paphos. There in Paphos, they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus or son of Jesus. Now, don't ever misunderstand that Jesus had a son, (laughs) our Jesus, the, uh, the son of God, Jesus. Jesus was a common name. Because Jesus is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Joshua. And we know Joshua from the Old Testament. So many people named their sons Joshua or in the Greek Jesus. And so the word bar Jesus means son of Joshua. And that was his name. So he's a Jewish sorcerer. He's a false prophet. And he's there in uh, Paphos. And so they met this guy. And so, uh, who, who was an attendant to the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. And so here's the proconsul. The proconsul was like a governor um, dedicated by the Roman Senate. They had governors dedicated by the emperor, but they also had governors dedicated by the Senate. And so, this one, having the name proconsul, was dedicated by the Senate and sent out here as ruler over this place in the Roman Empire. So this Bar-Jesus, this Jewish sorcerer, this false prophet, was his attendant. Meaning whatever the proconsul said, whatever Sergius said, I need some uh, more ink. I need some lunch. I need something to drink. I need you to go run an errand. You know, he's there to do whatever he needed to do for the proconsul. Well, the proconsul, an intelligent man. (laughs) He just had to throw that in there, isn't it? Not a common guy, just an intelligent man. He's very intelligent. He understood a lot of things. He uh, was well-educated. He sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. The word's spreading. The word's getting out there. Paul and Barnabas are uh, in the Jewish synagogues every week preaching Jesus, and the word's getting out. And so this Roman proconsul, this Roman governor, Sergius Paulus, said, I want to hear that. I want to hear about this. I want to hear about this Jesus. I need you to bring him here. But Eliamus, the sorcerer, all right, so Eliamus is his Arabic name. Bar-Jesus is his Hebrew name, but he has an Arabic name, uh, Eliamus. Same person, so don't get confused here. But Eliamus, the sorcerer, that is what his name means, sorcerer, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So there you see Satan using a person 
to oppose the Word of God. Here in Matthew, we saw that Satan just opposes the Word of God. But now we see that he will actually use people to oppose the Word of God to stop it. And so that's why we look out in society and say, you know what, I was at such and such or this and that and the other place, and they tried to stop that sermon. They tried to stop that man from saying anything about Jesus. They fired this person from work. They sentenced them to some kind of uh, crime, for some kind of crime of, of teaching or preaching about the Word of God. Or, you know, there's all kind of stories that we could see, but we just see it in day-to-day life uh, as we turn on the TV or we walk about society that that person's against everything about Jesus, God, church, and Bible. And they're trying to stop it. They don't want to hear it, and so they don't want other people to hear it either. In fact, this man here, Eli, must try to turn the proconsul from the faith. He said, I want to hear about God. And he said, I don't want you to hear about God. You don't need to hear about God. You don't need to listen to them. You don't need to listen about Jesus. And so we see that in our society even today. Well, then Saul, who was also called Paul, that's the first time in Acts or in the Bible that we hear Saul being called Paul, Acts 13, 9, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, reckon what he said. <laughs> You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. How about that? Just told him, I mean, just straight out. You're a child of the devil. You're an enemy of everything that's right. You don't want him hearing about God. You don't want to hear about Jesus. You don't want to have anything to do with God, Jesus, church, and Bible. And so you're a child of the devil. You're an enemy of whatever's right. If anything's right, you're, an enemy. you're against it. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Trickery. Sound like Satan, doesn't it? Schemes and tricks that he has. Deceit, that's what Satan's all about. And this guy was buying into it. This guy had sold himself into it. This guy was a part of it. He wanted to be a part of deceit and trickery and anything about being right, be against it. Anything about God's word, to be against it. And he didn't want other people to hear it, especially his boss. Because his boss was a lost man. And he didn't want his boss to get saved. It would change his life. And therefore, it might change his life. And so he's simply saying, I don't want my boss to be saved. I'm against him being saved. Anything about God and salvation, I'm against it himself, he said. So Paul said, you're full of deceit, you're full of trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? You're just perverting God's ways. You're taking God's word and you're perverting it and you're making it sound like you want it to sound and do what you want it to do and not the way God intended for it. And we have that going on today too. People pervert the Word of God. They take something out or add something to it, change it all up, uh, get a new kind of version of the Bible or whatever it may be, and we'll just pervert God's Word. And so we see it happening just like it did right here. And so Paul put him in his place. You're a child of the devil, enemy of everything's right, full of deceit, full of trickery. You're perverting God's ways. Now, he said, (laughs) he went through. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're against the Lord and everything to do with the Lord and Jesus and him getting saved, this proconsul getting saved. So you know what, Elamus? The Lord's against you now. You're going to be blind. And for a time, you'll be able, unable to see the light of the sun. So immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. He said, you're going to be blind. And all of a sudden, he turned blind. He just started groping around and said, I can't see, I can't see. Somebody help me. Somebody show me where to go. 
And so God's hand was against him because God said, hold on, Elamus. <laughs> you're not going to pervert God's word. I've got a man here wanting to be saved. And you're not going to stop him. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed. He had faith. He was saved. For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. He's amazed about the power of God. He's amazed about what happened, what he had just seen. How God moved in this man named Elinimus and how God opposed him and he was opposing God and now God had victory over this and he was so overwhelmed about it. He said, hey, I want to follow this God. I want to be a believer in this God. I want to be born again. I want to be saved. And he was. And so when the proconsul saw what happened, he was amazed and became a Christian. You see, Satan opposes God's Word because God's Word always points people to salvation in Jesus. And anything Satan can do, anybody he can use to stop it, he will. Satan will. But God overcomes that, just like he did in my life. For weeks and weeks and maybe months and months, as we would go to this family's house, and that man would sit there and tell me about Jesus and how to be saved, the girl was sitting right next to me. And yet, that girl would be in church every Sunday, along with her family. If it's Saturday night, Sunday morning came, she's sitting in church with her family. And yet she was out with a heathen like me on a Saturday night. And there's no way that a Christian young lady should have been in my presence. I mean, I had nothing to do with God. I opposed His Word. I wasn't for it. I didn't have anything to do with it. And uh, if she would have invited me, she never invited me to church. But if she had, I wouldn't have gone. I didn't have anything there I was looking for. And yet she was sitting in church every Sunday and out with somebody like me all the other times. And when that man's sitting there talking to me about Jesus, she's sitting there hearing the same thing. And when we'd leave there together, each time we'd leave, I mean, it's like, you know, why do you want to hear that? Why don't we stay so long? Why don't we just get up after supper and leave? And, you know, whatever. Like you, should, you shouldn't have put me through that. <laughs> We should have just left. And so people oppose God's Word. And so the longer this went on with her, the longer I stayed lost, you see, because she even opposed it. And so Satan opposes God's Word because God's Word always points people to salvation in Jesus. And so we see it around us. We hear it around us. But as far as we're concerned, we're for God's Word, aren't we? And we want to make sure it, first of all, penetrates our heart, that we understand it. We grasp the meaning of it. We let it settle down in our mind, our heart, so that we can be saved, we can be born again, we can grow, we can mature, we can be disciple, we can learn and all that, but also to be able to turn around and give it out to where we go. And so there's going to be opposition. If you start using God's Word and, and presenting God's Word, you're going to be opposed. People are going to come against you. But it's not the people we're fighting, as we're talking about on Sunday morning, because we're going to be dressed for battle every time we do it. And we've got two more pieces of hardware to put on for us to be totally dressed for battle. We're not ready yet, and so we've got to get it all on. So when we go out there and we face that opposition, we're going to be okay. We're going to be prepared for it when it happens, because we're dressed for that battle. Let's be dressed every day this week for that battle.